welcome to Magic to My Ears Monday. This week's topic, technically perfect Disney films, with our guest and a dear, dear family friend of mine that I've known since we lad, Colleen. And here are your hosts, Abby and Grace. Hello, hello! Welcome to this week's show that was concocted by yours truly as an excuse to bring on someone I have, like I mentioned before, known since a wee babe and who is one of the smartest theater kids and writers I know, old friend Colleen. Say hi, Colleen. Hello! <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Um, and so this top, this week's topic is going to be Disney, which Disney movie, including animated live action, you know, we included all of those. We're focusing more so on Disney solely animated. Uh, which one is technically the best? So by technically speaking, I mean we are going to be judging this off of some basic storytelling elements that make up all shows, movies, and books. So these points that we're going to be focusing on are the story's plot, pacing, character development, originality, and overall appearance. We're going to be breaking these down for you a little bit in some more detail. We can explain why the movie uh, we chose is the best based on the criteria I completely made up out thin air. <laughs> you did make this up, didn't you? Uh, yes. <laughs> so let's start with some basic definitions here so we're all on the same page, so to speak. Uh, a story's plot, as we all remember learning about in English class in depth and grueling detail, is the sequence of events that make up the event. This is generally comprised of a beginning, which is exposition, rising action, leading up to the conflict, climax, the real meat of the story, falling action, what happens after, and finally the resolution, which is obviously the ending. Uh, Colleen, did you have any other uh, more in-depth explanation for that? All right, so hello, I'm a film major and I'm 20, so therefore insufferable, and I'm gonna give you a little lowdown on um, plot, um, because I I took one class in world cultures, so obviously I know everything. Um, <laughs> of course. So when we're talking about plot, we're talking about the American point of view and discussing Disney, just because like plot, good or bad, really depends on where you are culturally, like how um, the French don't care about endings, generally speaking, and the <laughs> Brits like subtext a lot more than we do. Um, but Generally, American films like straightforward, clear conflict, um, a great subplot in there, and then closure. Our big thing is closure. We really don't like it when films don't leave us with the feeling that they're over and that everything is wrapped up. Um, it's, it's something unique about us as a culture, unless we have a twist ending, but that doesn't really apply to a Disney movie. Um, but yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Um, that, that's actually a very interesting point, especially with Disney. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll get more so into that later, though. Um, the next one on the list is going to be the story's pacing. And I sincerely am going to let you explain this more, because how I would phrase this is incorrect, because I looked it up. <laughs> so I'm going to let you take this one again, Clay. Okay, um, back on my soapbox. Pacing is, is similarly dependent upon culture. Um, and, like... Like in uh, a lot of uh, Japanese uh, film and television, um, it still takes from their early days of like their first theatrical performances where a lot of characters will directly state like what they believe in um, and their morality um, because a lot of their plays were about morality and like some Confucian stuff in there in the early days. Um, but in America, um, Pacing is kind of, you know, the tried and true, like, hero's journey sort of thing that we all know and can recite from memory because it was hammered into us as children. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, so, like, Disney is very much that. Um, pacing has changed with age. Older movies tend to be a lot slower and have more build-up to emotional beats. Um, and, um, but now with modern movies, the pacing is very succinct and efficient in kind of a, I think a cool way. Um, so basically good or bad pacing, um, I think we're going to base for this movie on modern pacing because it was made in 2002 and American pacing since it's American. 
Um, so just does it follow the hero's journey? Does it get its points across in the correct amount of time to keep the audience interested? Yeah, it's kind of like each section, you know, the introduction to everything, the conflict, everything's kind of equal time-wise if you really kind of look at it, which is interesting. Yeah. Pacing has always been my, um, something I didn't always quite understand. Like, I could notice it, but I never really understood what was good or bad about certain pacing in certain movies. Um, next up is character development. Uh, this means basically how does a character change from the beginning to the end of the story. Uh, some characters are static characters, meaning their personality does not change. However, for the most part, you'll tend to see that the main protagonist or villain's story are, will rely on their character development, at least in well-done movies. Yes. Colleen, uh, do you want to go in a little bit more depth in that? Yeah. Um, so there's kind of like a Western-Eastern divide in character development, which I find kind of interesting. And I'll go into that very briefly because it's a little bit of a tangent. But... <laughs> In um, Western culture, um, character development usually has to do with individuality and asserting yourself as a person, whereas in Eastern culture, generalization, um, character development are about the protagonist struggling to find a place within the grand scheme of things. Um, So it's like individualistic culture versus community culture and both have their upsides and downsides as far as writing um but it's the difference between directly controlling circumstances and making direct changes versus trying to find a cohesive balance um in your life um but again this is american so it's cool um for um to note with this movie that it's relatively recent in american cinematic history that we've accepted villains as people and not just (laughs) plain evil um wait you mean not all villains turn into dragons exactly um it's like we take a lot of influence in our um culture from westerns where like villains are just like out to get you for money or for like drugs or for women or whatever um and um it's become a relatively recent thing where we've given villains actually good reasons to be villains or um, let them be redeemed. So they can have backstory. Villains are people too, guys. Come on. <laughs> We're all Hashtag villains are people. <laughs> this is a safe place. <laughs> it's worse. It's a Disney place. <laughs> Does that make it worse or better? I think it makes it better, actually. For the villains, probably. <laughs> Um, all right, so the last two topics are, I'd say they're kind of more opinion-based. They're kind of based on, you know, stuff, but, you know, of course. Um, so these last two factors are going to be originality and general appearance. So we will talk about how, if the film is original, if it is a totally new concept, if it is any good, or if it is based on a previous story, how well did they recreate it? or stay true to the previous, you know, counterpart. Um, lastly, how do we like the look of it? If it's an animation, you know, is the animation nice? Does it fit the style of the story? Um, and live action ones, do the scenes come together well? Are the costumes good? Stuff like that. So kind of our opinion of, you know, is it worth looking at? Because, you know, animation, the, that stylisticness can define a movie a lot of the times. Audition. <laughs> is it worth watching? I mean, <laughs> that was a little harsh to me. There, there are some, I love anime, but there are some animes I just look at it and I'm like, I can't look at your face this entire time. So I'm just going to not watch it. <laughs> just because no, the style is no, is, I just have no interest in it. No, I mean, I'm guilty of it. I watched the first, like, I don't know, five minutes of Hunchback 2. And I literally almost threw my laptop across the room because yeah. I was so offended by the animation. <laughs> yeah, that was that was hard on the eyes. I've never finished it. I'm like, I can't, I can't watch this kind of animation for the entire time. You really don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I love Disney sequels. Hunchback of Notre Dame do can burn with Frodo. <laughs> Frodo? You mean Frollo? I mean Frollo. <laughs> I'm not going Lord of the Rings here. I mean, for a completely different fan base. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, 
No, it, I, we will talk about sequels another time, because it's <laughs> right now. <laughs> Why don't we let the actual film major go into more depth than this? <laughs> yes, what um, do you, well, style is basically, like, it's, I don't know, I took a whole entire class on style, and it ultimately boils down to understanding the rules in order to break them because you have to break them thoughtfully and if you don't it just looks dumb um yes <laughs> like shaky cam is a choice and yep. it's a choice that a lot of people make and it's like should be used sparingly in my opinion um and there's just yeah and like i don't know there's certain things that you can do but not do them like hitting the audience over the head and um stylistically animation is interesting there's a lot of animated styles that are just kind of ugly and most of them are adult cartoons they're all just gross for no reason um and it's just i don't know um every style choice i like to um give it the benefit of the doubt and assume that they made this choice not because they were bored um or um lazy um but it, sometimes it's hard um like big <laughs> um or freaking south park or something but, <laughs> shows for two that one major reason reason is the animation is just so gross it's it's really bad rick and morty horrible i'm sure that's a choice on rick and morty's part because its whole thing is that it's horribly offensive in every aspect um but yeah Jeez. Anyway, that's all I have to say. I don't have a lot to say on style because I struggle with that aspect of filmmaking. Disney tends to be pretty good with it, though. You know, they have you. You see something and you can tell it's probably Disney. Like half the time, if I see a new animator, I'm like, I'm like ninety five percent sure there'll be some that are like, oh, it's DreamWorks. Whoops. Anastasia. Anastasia. People are confused with that all the time, and it makes me so mad. <laughs> And it's like, well, it has a similar feel. It has a similar look. Listen, I went off on a poor girl working at a movie theater because they started playing one of the Anastasia songs. And she's like, this is my favorite Disney movie. I'm like, mm, hold on. What did, what did you just say? It's like, my favorite Disney movie. I'm like, mm, nope, nope, not Disney movie, not Disney movie. <laughs> well, Anastasia's my favorite anime. Um, it's really great. <laughs> funny i can one million percent see that being turned into an anime just because of some basic characters i don't know how i was <laughs> i'm not saying it would be a good one i'm saying i could see someone trying well i don't want anybody to try so don't, <laughs> don't do it <laughs> don't encourage it we're not telling anyone to do this this does not need to be no, i don't want to be responsible for that <laughs> Someone's like, I just got my idea for my thesis for theater class. Ha ha! <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. Nobody told you to do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to take just a really quick break um, with a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back to, to uh, tell you what the movie is. Big reveal. Okay, we're back. Here, it's time for the big reveal of what movie it is. Everybody excited? I am. Drum roll. We really need a sound effect app. Drum roll. <laughs> Maybe someday. <laughs> One of these days we'll get techy enough. <laughs> I'm gonna do it, Grace. I'm gonna figure it out. Do it, please. We will we must one day. <laughs> Alright, so without further ado, Clayne, what is technically the best Disney film? So don't come for me, but <laughs> it was a hard decision. I will give this hard. this. But I was there for it. <laughs> I, I really love that movie for multiple reasons, and it might be a personal bias thing, but I do feel like it is writing-wise, if not the best, amongst the best of the Disney films and how, especially in that era. Um, yeah. But yeah, because, uh, okay. Cause who, doesn't love, who doesn't love the little blue fluff ball? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, Lily's uh, so emotionally beautiful. I've cried through multiple scenes in that movie as an adult. 
Oh, so. no, every time. Every single time I watch it, I'm just like, when she sings Aloha Oi, I'm like, ugh. Like, it's time to cry. Um, but Here we go. Lilo and Stitch is, um, it was made in 2002, which is a cool time period for Disney. I'm not going to step on your thing, Abby, because Abby has a lot of cool facts about it. It's just oh, like, um, cause it's, uh, it was made around the same time as, uh, Treasure Planet and Atlantis. And I kind of put those three movies in the same category in my head. Um, and it had a lot more staying power than both of those movies. Whether or not you think they deserved it is entirely a different topic of conversation. But, um, Lilo and Stitch had a sequel and a TV series. Um, and it also is still extremely popular today, more so than a lot of other Disney films that are considered Disney classics. Um, and I feel like it's interesting that a film's so different from Disney's usual um, content, especially in the time period, um, lasted this long and still sells like prominent merchandise in Disney stores. Like you don't see Treasure Planet stuff in Disney stores unless you go in the corner, maybe. <laughs> Clearance section. Which yeah, is exactly. So <laughs> no, I mean, I I love Lilo and Stitch, and I think it's really sad that a lot of people are like very down on it. Like I think a lot of um, more baby boomers don't love it as much. My parents aren't a big fan of it. But people our age typically really love it. And I think, I mean, obviously you have, as Grace said, the fluffy, you know, blue thing, Stitch. So who doesn't love a big fluffy blue thing that speaks, I, don't, I can't even do his voice, you know, that high pitch, you know, gremlin voice. You know, who doesn't love that? <laughs> um, some quick facts about the movie before we really get into the meat of the matter here. Um, that kind of rhymed, didn't it? <laughs> I, that was not intentional. <laughs> Uh, Lilo and Stitch came out, as Colleen said, that summer of 2002. It was written and directed by Chris Sanders and Dean uh, Dubois. Dubois, I'm going to butcher that name. Uh, the music is done by Mark, going to butcher this, uh, Homalu and Alan Silvestri. And some of the main voice actors in it are Devay uh, Chase, who anybody who's a fan of Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki will know she's also the voice of Shihiro, the main uh protagonist in Spirited Away, my favorite. Mm -hmm. um, she was Lilo. And Chris Sanders as Stitch, who, as I just mentioned, wrote and directed it, so kind of three big parts there. And uh, David Ogden Styers, who has been heard in a number of Disney movies. He was Cogsworth. Um, I'm slipping on what other ones he's done, but he's in a lot of them, a big chunk of them. Uh, as uh, Jumba, is it Jumba or Jumba? I never... Jumba. I think Jumba. Yeah. Okay. It's like and, jumbo with an uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe that was the purpose of it. Uh, and finally, Kevin McDonald as Pleakley, who can also... To, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I had to, because he's the almighty tallest purple in Invader Zim. I never watched <laughs> Anyone listening who's Invader Zim fans, please, you will... You, you, when I read this, I freaked out because I'm like, oh my god, it all makes sense. <laughs> it's funny, I mostly do the research for the podcast, but I was reading the script that Grace did and I was like, I don't remember putting that in here. <laughs> that was me. That was all me. I'm sorry. I had to. <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was fine. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah. Um, the film had a budget of about $80 million, which is wow. And brought in roughly $273.1 million from the box offices. So they definitely got some of their money back. Just a little. You know. um, hey, guys. Alrighty, so now getting into the main topic at hand, why this movie is technically the best. Cue the air quotes you cannot see. Um, <laughs> or at least amongst, we kind of ended up focusing on Disney, not including Pixar. Um, so let's start off with the basics with the plot. So what, in your opinion, makes this a good outstanding plot to you, Glenn? Okay. Um, also, we didn't include Pixar because it's too, it's too hard. It's too difficult. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, so for a plot, it's, um, it's kind of a typical Disney, like, kids movie. It follows the hero's journey, um, pretty well. Like, it has the, um the setup with her world and everything with her like feeding the fish and going to hula practice and 
Um, immediately, uh, it's set up with Nani and the uh, Child Protective Services guy. Um, and so all of that, all of the subplot is uh, set up nigh immediately. And while that's going on, we set up Stitch and everything, and then he comes to Earth. And um, they, they do this thing that a lot of Disney films do that Disney is very good at, which I like to call shenanigans, although that's not the technical term. Um, <laughs> It should be the technical. our technical term. Yes. <laughs> it's act two when you are endeared to the characters so that you care about what happens in act three um, and the climax and everything. Um, and it's supposed to be like, act two is supposed to be the longest act. Um, and uh, it's supposed to be like uh, 30 to 40 pages, I think. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a thing that means nothing to anybody. But... Um, <laughs> uh, it means something to us. <laughs> thank you. Um, it does a wonderful job at shenanigans um, and the setup of like Lilo and Stitch's budding relationship um, with um, the rule of threes, with the whole model citizen thing, uh, and um, framing that after Elvis Presley is awesome. Um, and uh, I have notes. Hold on. Um, <laughs> well, can we just talk about the first time we we meet? Stitch officially, and it is the best thing ever when you see Lilo praying and says, give me the nicest angel you have, and it cuts to him laughing maniacally out of the crater. I have, people have used that in so many different, like, kinds of videos, TikToks, whatever, memes, it is, I'm laughing just thinking about it, like, that, such a great reveal for his character. And that's really frog. good. What did that frog ever do to him? <laughs> but the frog gets to be a part of the movie at the end. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And it's it also wonderful. Great, like... Um no, sorry, I interrupted no. you guys. No, go, 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 you're good. Um you're it's... the best, you get to speak. Thank you. You're the um, expert. It's wonderful, uh, the whole setup of like mosquitoes, um, and like how humans were saved because we feed the mosquito population. Completely. Yes. <laughs> and that's just hilarious. Um, and just like the context and the difficult themes that it addresses are what makes this movie special, in my opinion. Um, because the plot is um, very like clear cut Disney, with complete with the chase scene at the end, and then like all is lost, but then the heroes triumph, and like all that stuff happens. Um, and then it's all wrapped up with a nice little bow complete with um, a montage set to a cool song. Um, so <laughs> it's standard, but like the content is what makes it uh, unique and cool and really funny and uh, still relevant today, all the way from back in 2002, the dark ages. Uh, <laughs> it is, that's a good point because yes, the kind of the main point is you know Lilo and Stitch that's the main focus a lot of the time but like what you were saying them setting up the subplots of everything that's going on with Nani everything that's going on you know with Lilo with her friends and her dealing with her teacher and stuff how she is as a student like they touch on some really heavy stuff if you really want to get into it and it's not uncommon stuff either well, I love that they really address the Nani thing right away, how she's always kind of, yell, like, as, as Colleen says, they, she's always yelling at Lilo, and Lilo's like, why, what did I do? And you look at this a, adult, you know, she's 19, but, you know, an adult dealing with all this stuff at her age, and it, it deals with showing both both sides of the kid being like, why are you yelling at me all the time? You're being so mean to the adult going, like, I'm trying to help us, and I'm doing this all alone. Like, you need to um, listen to me. And I have a lot to say about all of that when we get to character. Like, I have a whole thing written out on my little notepad. Um, now, here's a question. Yeah. Is there any part of the movie that you felt was unnecessary? Like, was there any element of the plot that was like, ah, why Why is this a scene? Why is this a thing? Like, was there any? Either of you? Um, you both look very confused. <laughs> We both had our thinking faces on. I don't really. I think that movie is pretty. It's cut pretty well. It's not. There's not a lot of filler space. I mean, the only scenes that I guess you consider filler, but I, I don't, is like the restaurant. I guess with with David, 
but it shows the relationship between the teenagers as well. So it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, the restaurant with David uh, sets up the subplot of David and Nani's um, romance. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think of any scene where you could take it out and it would be fine. And like, I guess you could take out the bullies and you could just have Lilo be weird. But then it's like, it's not as good. But then she's exactly being weird and she's not, it's not showing her downcast and showing her how mean kids can be because she needs that that tipping point to be asking for an angel as she calls Stitch. So if you take that out, it just shows her it's like, why is this girl so bizarre? But like when her when the friends are being so nasty to her, you already feel for her in that instant. Even if you think she's weird, you're still like, you know, she's a kid, you know, it's fine. Kids go through phases. So I think if you took that out, it would just be less of an explanation, I guess, for her character. I'm trying to think, cause like, the alien bits um, are probably my least favorite parts of the movie, but not because I don't like them, just because I like everything else so much more because it's so good. Um, but the alien bits are completely essential to moving the plot forward. So yeah, it's like, I don't think you could cut actually. any of those either. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm trying to think of like, the, like because we've talked about Nani uh, already a lot, but like, what about Jumba and Pleakley? They have their own, you know, arc within the arc, within the arc, within, you know, like they have a thing going. And then Gantu, is that the big guy's name? Yes. Oh, yeah, good memory. Gantu, his whole thing, like that, I'm trying to think of their stuff, but it's like, you know what? Even their little things, even, you know, on the spaceship when Gantu is getting pissed that stitches on his, you know, should be like I'm not fat I'm fluffy like it's, <laughs> it's you need that because it adds that little quip mm-hmm. in there that shows differences it's like okay so there, here's Gantu who's like you know the authority figure but not in the good sense he's more like bounty hunter authority figure mm-hmm. versus the CIA guy who's like law but like he's still kind of nice you know authority figure that okay. you have the, the, the alien lady lady her i was about to call her alien queen i don't think so but that thing and she's a whole different side of that thing that being that thing Um, but like all of those characters and all of those like they even those characters change and they contribute a lot to the story well, Lilo and Stitch is a film of many subplots, um, which is really cool because usually in kids' films, there's really only one, maybe two subplots um, because a lot of kids' movies are very simplistic. Um, and uh, the more subplots that actually work and come together well in the end, I feel like the more interesting the film is um, because it makes it like a real world rather than just the story of one person and another person having conflict um and there's nothing wrong with a small story either but it's like it's wonderful when it all comes together (laughs) (laughs) but none of the subplots step on each other's toes they all mingle very nicely because there are some movies that like a subplot happens and it's like where did this come from yeah where (laughs) how did we get here exactly or like it makes no sense because once you bring that character back into the main plot it's like wait but i thought for a second no okay never mind like (laughs) well i think that goes into pacing too which would be the next question is Mm -hmm. if because if you put too many little subplots in there it not only gets confusing for the audience it's unnecessary and it adds time where the audience is kind of getting restless and thinking okay where is the main character why are we here why do we care about these people so I think that's the next question is, what do you think of the pacing in this movie as well? The pacing is very efficient, um, I feel, because like like we said, we can't really take out a scene and have it not matter because every scene sort of sets up a, an essential part that leads to the next. Um, and that's like the main uh, idea behind modern pacing um when you're when you're writing for a movie like in my in my screenwriting class that i take at my <laughs> film school um it's um it's like you're supposed to do that with your screenplay after you finish it you're supposed to be like can i take this scene out and does it matter because like there are scenes that you put in because it's cool and sometimes you like 
you want to make sure that every scene feels essential to the buildup of what you're saying instead of just being fun like because um ultimately we'll talk about the deleted scene later and this is a controversial take but ultimately i feel like the deleted scene they replaced it with the beach scene ultimately uh where she's trying to be um a lifeguard and um they do yeah they do the third (laughs) Mm -hmm. because uh it comes in like well, actually, no. That's in fours. That's interesting. I didn't. I didn't realize that before because it's uh, the uh, uh, grocery and then the coffee and then the concierge and then the lifeguard. So it's in fours, yeah. and, and so obviously they planned on putting that scene in the movie. But I'll talk about it later. But I feel like the reason they got rid of it was it didn't un- make sense in that point in time in the movie to put it there. Um, because it kind of drew away from the point of the movie and added another arm and leg to it. But also, it would have been fun to more directly address the racism because, you know, but it was 2002. (laughs) So, you know. No, I mean, this is why deleted scenes exist, because they realize, you know, this is a great scene, but it's going to take up a lot of time that we don't need it to be taken away from. There were probably more important scenes that they would have had to delete if they put this one in. At least that's what I've seen from other movies. Like, it looks like, oh, that's probably where that would have gone instead of what we have, what we see now. It's probably was a good thing they took it out. Um, next up would be character development. I, you know, I actually have a little bit of an issue with this one because I don't see, I mean, of course, I'm going to be wrong because I didn't go to film school. <laughs> <laughs> But you're enough of a theater kid. It's fine. <laughs> Look, I got an AA in film, but I don't have a bachelor's degree in film. <laughs> totally different. Um, I don't feel that really Nani changes a whole lot because I don't think she really – she doesn't show that she needs to because she's just always the authority figure because she needs to be because her parents aren't around. She's taking care of her little sister. And Lilo doesn't more develop. She more gains confidence, I think, because she has Stitch now. But I don't know if that counts as character development, thoughts, feelings. <laughs> I'd say it counts as character development. Because, I mean, think of yourself, think in, like, real world, right? Let's step out of a movie for a second. Because they can they can be seen as parallel, in my opinion. If, <laughs> yes. Twilight Zone. Wave, doing a wave. From being a kid of being not very confident to being an adult being very confident it it changes a lot of your character like personally i've gained a lot of confidence over the last you know several years and that has made me react differently respond differently far differently and my point of views have changed a touch because i'm more self-assured in that i think for a character in a film especially as a child if you're able to see a kid go through hardship but come out better on the other end kind of being able to be like you know what no i know what's right in my view i'm gonna stand up for it i think that's huge development and i think that can also show kids who are watching it hey she wasn't very you know she she didn't feel that great about herself now she does maybe i can do the same you know i th- and i think they showed it well enough they, they they could have gone into it more with the bullies but like the bullies are they're just bratty Barbie girls. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. And with Nani, I agree and I disagree. I feel like she may not have changed her tactics towards Lilo change. And that was a big thing. But I think a lot of that also had to do with Lilo. You know? But you like, when, I mean, when I say that she didn't change, I mean like that in a good way. Because she already had this character that you understood because you're like yeah she has a lot going on you know she can't deal with her sister being a little brat right now when she's trying to look i'm sorry i love lilo but she was yeah it was difficult listen kid like i'm dealing with a lot of stuff right now (laughs) so i kind of i kind of think it's okay that she doesn't have this big giant character development that you can easily see because she didn't really need one because she's always been this good person looking out for her little sister and all the stuff that she has to deal with so i don't know how clean feels about this but <laughs> and go so uh letting me loose <laughs> here we go Off so wait okay 
Lilo and Stitch is very fun because the character development is in the development of relationships, um, and it's all of the the it's okay. I'm sorry. I'm very very excited. Um, the theme. <laughs> we love it when people get excited about Disney movies. Please continue. <laughs> the theme of the movie is found family. Um, and it's really, really, really cool because all of the characters have character development through relationships, um, and not just like Nani and David, Nani and Lilo, Lilo and Stitch, Stitch and Jumba, Pleakley and Jumba, but also the Supreme Leader Lady and her connection to Earth, and just like everything happens through connections to other people because it's like the point of it is the whole ugly duckling sort of motif and theme is that like eventually although you feel out of place you will find your people um and i'm like because eh, i cry all the time because it's so it's so good cry you mentioned the ugly duckling i'm just gone it's, <laughs> it's so good and it's so universal um because like okay i'm gonna get on my soapbox um as if i wasn't already there um so like it's not the depth in this movie is not found in a lot of american children's movies because a lot of american children's movies are sort of like this is wrong and you shouldn't do that okay resolution um and like nani as a character is really cool just because she starts at the beginning trying to be her mom because like she just lost her parents and she can't deal with it so she's trying to like be her mom and be authoritarian with leo lilo uh um and um and lilo doesn't respond well to that and she would probably respond better to nani sitting down and talking to her and talking it out with her but uh nani is not in the right headspace to do that and nani needs to function as lilo's rock but nani doesn't have a rock of her own um and so like they're both kind of floating in this space of they really care about each other, but they're unable to express that um, because they're both in, in a bad space, of course, grieving the loss of their parents. And it's that already is a really heavy theme for a kid's movie. And then you add on to that, like, David, my main man, my boy. Super <laughs> dude. I love him because, like, He's all like, hey, Nani, I really like you. You want to go out? Nani's like, I'm so sorry. My sister's about to be taken away by Child Protective Services. This is not the right time. And he's like, I completely respect that. Legitimately. And I will not push you at all. And I will help you get a job. And I will go surfing with you when you're depressed. And I'm like, what a man. What a man. Take notes. That's a very point. <laughs> Disney like, princess. Take notes. No, he is. Like a feminist issue all of a sudden. <laughs> Everything is a feminist issue with No, listen, um, the queen of turning anything into a feminist issue. <laughs> but it's it's wonderful because he actually supports her and he doesn't really expect anything from her. And the only thing, the only reference he makes to her dating him after the original ask is a joke when he gets her a job and she's all happy and they're running to get a job. He's like, now you have to date me, huh? And like, <laughs> it's cute. And he like, you know, aliens come and he's like, all right. Like, <laughs> the ship goes down and it's like, ah, I'm going to have to take two trips. And I'm like, you see a dude the size of a whale and your thoughts are, you need to take two trips. He's an amazing, amazing man. And then like, he's a cute little boy and needs to be protected because he's so sweet. And such exactly. a great, like he's a man, but he's also like a boy. Like he's he's a baby. Um, <laughs> there you but, go. That's how we just he's not a surfer. <laughs> Nani and Lilo's relationship progresses throughout the movie until the end, where um, Nani starts embracing her sister's weirdness, and she allows that into her life. And um, ultimately, it makes a safer space for her because she was trying her best. She got her stitch and everything, but ultimately, her sister's her sister's weird way of expressing herself was getting in the way of her like plans and her life and she kept rejecting it and trying to contain it into a space where she could deal with it and then at the end of the movie she accepts it and allows her sister to express herself and i'm moving my hands a lot in, um, in any way that she um desires and they make like this weird little house 
um, with their weird little alien family. And like Jumba and Pleakley, Jumba starts off as like your regular old Disney villain. He's a mad scientist. Um, he wants to create a super powerful weapon. And he's like, like you know, he's very well in life. How many experiments were there? <laughs> there were a lot. <laughs> um, and then like Pleakley is kind of a pushover. Um, and they get to know each other, and they get to bond with each other, and they might be gay. I don't know. And um, <laughs> slides in feminism and gayness. Um, but yeah, um, it's just cute that they like they get to bond together, and they like find purpose outside of their um, home world, and they find people that they care about and they want to protect. Um, outside of their homeworld, and Jumba finds this, like, sort of purpose in being sort of like a weird father figure towards Stitch, which I find very interesting. Um, and then Stitch finds purpose in something other than destruction, because, like, it ultimately is, like, this idea that when you feel alone, you lash out and you destroy things because you're hurt. And then when you find your people, you can create your sanctuary and i'm like like <laughs> me crying over lilo and stitch again um but uh, yeah this is gonna be so hard to to get through <laughs> I'm like that's 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 it that's that's my that's my spiel um <laughs> no that i feel of fantasticness <laughs> um Let's hop on over to originality. Now, clearly, this wasn't based on, like, a book or an old Disney movie or something like that, you know? But just how original, and I'm going to be answering my own question, you know, by, by explaining <laughs> this. How original is it for an alien to come down and hang out with a quote-unquote weird, which, by the way, I just want to put this out there, Lilo is not that weird. She gives a fish a sandwich. And she's mourning the loss of her parents and dealing with her teenage sister who's pretending to be her mom. Lilo is not that weird. I'm just gonna I have put a lot out to say there. about Lilo's weirdness and I will get to that. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> it's like like how original. Like if someone just sat down and be like, Look, hey, I got a great idea for you. Told you the plot of Lilo and Stitch, like, what are y'all's thoughts on this? So I think it's pretty Dang, just mwah. I'd give it a chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> One thing is, Honestly, is that that's how we rate things on this show is yes. a chef's kiss. It is the highest quality. It is more than a 10. So <laughs> we so all want two a chef. chef's kisses from me. Both hands. <laughs> that, that's a lot of praise right there. <laughs> uh, and I agree with you guys. I think it's very original with dealing with some more non-original ideas, like dealing with parents' deaths and mm -hmm. um, childhood trauma. I think it does a really good job of adding a non-traditional element into a traditional element that other movies have touched on. But I think what makes it original is that it's actually animated, because I think this goes into a whole other issue with other animated um, you know, shows and movies that people consider kids' movies that really are geared to everybody, because everybody can take something out of it. I won't go too far into it, but Avatar Last Airbender, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I have something in my throat. <laughs> but I think it goes into that as well because Lilo and Stitch, yes, it is geared towards kids. It is more of a kids movie. But when I watched it for the first time as an adult, I was like, Jesus, this is dark. Like when Lilo says to Stitch, they went for a drive. It was raining and they went for a drive. You're like, oh God. <laughs> you you don't know what to do. <laughs> like what just happened? Like this got so dark. One minute an alien is destroying her little you know uh, toy of uh, San Francisco, you know pretending to be a monster, and then she's talking about her parents' deaths. You're like, Jesus went 180 really quickly. So <laughs> I can I just make a side note? Yeah, yeah. That I just realized. First of all, it's one of the only Disney movies where if a parent, yes, I'm doing my little sassy hand. <laughs> Because it's one of the only Disney movies that there was a parent's death, and it wasn't just the mom. It was both. Also, can we talk about how Frozen is not the first sister movie? This is. Oh, yeah. Yes. Can we just... I, I literally, and I'm ashamed that I didn't think of this sooner. It was literally 
first Disney Disney sister centric movie, and they did it in a far more realistic way. <laughs> also, <laughs> I think compared to say the sisters in Frozen, I'd say Lilo and, and Nani were probably like you'd see more of that than Elsa and Anna. Oh yeah, Gravity's increasing on me is the best, the best ever. I love that that whole joke. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is, Lilo. It happened yesterday. <laughs> that line so reminds me of of me and my brother just so much. <laughs> and then when she like when she's like, "Why do you have to be so weird?" and then she slams the door on her head. <laughs> and it's like, wait. <laughs> I love that when she's just depressed. She just that the door covered in nails. She's laying there singing Elvis and the guy comes along and is like, I'm gonna love and cherish you. <laughs> I'm like, and yes. then they both scream into pillows because they can't deal with each other. Just shows how similar that they are. It kind of brings them both to like their own level. Be like, alright, older sister Lila, boom! You're the same now. Yes. It's great. It works. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's Ah, chef's kiss, definitely. Yes! Four <laughs> yeah, chef's kisses. All right, Colleen, go. Uh, do we have enough time? Yes. <laughs> okay, because yes, we we, we, we've got like nine minutes. Yeah. We're, uh, for people who don't know, we're on Zoom right now, so Zoom is like limiting us and being like, hey, you guys are talking too much. <laughs> because we care, Zoom, we care. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, gosh. Let's see how far we get. Yeah. Let's All right. <laughs> Watch the time because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be talking. Um. Okay. So, interpretive dance to stop you. It's um a very original <laughs> concept, and I love it so much. Um, and I love when people take things that are supernatural and use it to explain human nature. It's really cool. Um, and I like it personally. That's my that's my stuff. Um, not cursing. Um, and um, uh, my favorite thing is Lilo is such a weird little girl, and I was such a weird little girl. And I loved watching that movie because I love seeing things that actually capture how kids are. Because a lot of like kids movies forget what it was like to be a kid, and this one doesn't. Like when she, when she makes little like spoon voodoo dolls of oh the bullies, and she puts them in a jar and shakes them and goes, "My friends need to be punished." Like that is what it is like to be a child. And, like she like just the whole like the thing about Pudge controlling the weather. Oh, Pudge the fish. How deadpan she was. With controls the weather. <laughs> yeah. matter of fact, like there you go. And then just like the like her <laughs> teachers like Pudge, I can't beat Pudge Tuna. Exactly. <laughs> she's like, what's wrong? And she's just like, okay. She's, <laughs> she goes off and she's just like, and all we have is is stinking tuna. And she's just like freaking out. And it's so good because like I that's how little girls are because it's before you know society stamps the light out of them but like um, <laughs> it's just it was wonderful to see her being so expressive and just like like there's so many little things like when stitch rips her painting and she goes that was my blue period and like just like when she so has cool. that doll and she's just like she's oh, gone through doll. many surgeries and like oh that doll and, and it's just so good. He acts like an adult sometimes too. Like when, there's that one scene when I t like I mentioned before where he's he makes that version of San Francisco, and she looks over and she goes, "Wow, San Francisco!" <laughs> like the way that she recognizes what city it is, and that she's just like, "Wow!" Like most kids would be like, "Wow!" Like I just love how in certain aspects she's such a like normal like little kid of just like doing such kind of weird stuff, and then one minute she's like, "Oh." That's that's normal. That's fine. But yeah, because she was forced to grow up a little bit faster, um, and it was just—it's just—it's wonderful seeing her because when I was a kid, I'm like, that's me, and that's—it proves that when you put representation on screen, it doesn't exclude white people. So everybody who's saying that can can die by my fist. But um, <laughs> onto that. So. <laughs> 
What I think is really cool is that it's a movie in 2002, and I'll try to get through this in five minutes and 30 seconds. It's a movie in 2002 um, and has a person of color as the main character. Um, I believe it's the first Disney animated film, at least, to have a person of color as the main character. Um, and um, she's human the entire time at Disney, looking at you. Um, and um, it addresses the conflict between um, white and uh, native Hawaiians, um, which I think is really cool because it, it doesn't just ignore it. Um, and it's, it's from her perspective as a native Hawaiian living in this culture that is surrounded so much on the economy of tourism. Um, and it's just, it's really interesting, especially since all of the main characters who are humans are Hawaiian. Um, and um, like the bullies, like Lilo's bullies, the main bully character is a white girl. And uh, her, her cronies are kind of mixed. Um, but there's one girl who's blonde with a little bit of darker skin. So it's like, so it's like, that that weird sort of like hierarchy system but like s like subtle and like put into a kids movie and she's kind of as a white girl encroaching on her space in this hula class um and i just find that aspect of it really interesting and then the whole like um lilo takes pictures of white tourists because white tourists gawk at native hawaiians so she's gawking at them um i never thought of i know and i, I think that's funny yeah <laughs> Well, it's it's like it's funny and it's also a sur uh, subversion of like because she's trying to control her own narrative and a lot of people who are more well versed in this and actually people of color or have grown up in Hawaii have written about this better than I can articulate it. But I tried to read a couple of articles about it, um, and then like Nani at the luau um, because she had to work at this luau. Uh, where she wore this kind of provocative uh, outfit because of the whole sexualization of exotic quote-unquote women um, and like yeah and then like she um, she gets fired from the luau and she's like I don't want to work at your fakey luau anyway because she has to serve like white tourists and that's like a big thing in um, Hawaii, where a lot of the working class Hawaiians who are native Hawaiians have to um, then serve um, white people who came over from the mainland or whatever. And it's like, it's it's really interesting how they put that in. And there was a deleted scene, um, two minutes. There was a deleted scene. We can cut for a second. I can go to commercial break and come back. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> okay, we're gonna do that. We'll be right back. Okay, so we're back. So Colleen was gonna go into the deleted scene that she wanted to mention. So Which I didn't even know was a thing. I didn't either. So we're gonna be enlightened. So what is this deleted scene? Because I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed. It's cool, and it's also like a pivotal point of discussion about like race relations in that movie because it's like it's Lilo. She's already gotten stitch, and she's um, walking around, and there are tourists driving by her, going. Um, Aloha, where is the beach? And then she's just kind of like pointing. Um, and um, she's she's very like tired. And then she walks by um, somebody else who is native. And then she's just like, hey, like, uh, are they still doing the sirens? Are they still testing them? And then she's like, oh, yeah, they're going to be doing it in like a couple of minutes. And then um, Lilo's like, good. And then she runs to the beach and she goes, attention, Taurus. These sirens are for giant tsunami waves and that will kill you because they go at the speed of sound and you better run. Um, and so I she like, out, I love this yeah, so she yells at all, at all the tourists and then they all like freak out when the tsunami thing starts and then they run away and then it's the same animation as them running away um, at the beach scene um, in the original, and in, in the not in the original, in the final cut. Um, so I assume that's where it would go. Um, and then um, all that's left is Cobra bubbles, and he's looking at them, and he's kind of like raises his eyebrow, and then she's like, "You'd understand if you lived here." Um, so that's yeah. that scene. I think it's really cool. I don't think it belongs in that part of the movie. Um, I feel like if it was earlier, before 
Stitch really understood her and then they could bond over that little bit of chaos and anger that they both hold. I feel like that would have worked. But it's also like, then how do we get Nani and Lilo to the beach um, to have that scene with David, which we really needed for the like catharsis moment for them as a family. Well, plus, if that was in, they would be bonding over anger not family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there are a lot of writing discussions on why that could be chosen. There's a larger social discussion, which I feel like socially, it would have been cool to have a film directly address that sort of thing. But again, it was 2002. Um, another like tiny, tiny two points. Um, this is, I think, the first Disney animated film to have a female relationship at the center of the movie. Um, because Nani and Lilo's relationship is really important to the film. Ultimately, it takes a backseat to to Lilo and Stitch's relationship, which is the titular relationship. Um, but I think it's really it's really important to the plot, and it's really cool that a female relationship was important to the plot because, like, that's not a thing. Um, <laughs> because it's still not a thing. Yeah. And even so, when it happens, I know Brave is a controversial film for a number of reasons, but I feel like one of the reasons people didn't like it as much is because it was about mother and daughter. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, throw that hot take in there. And then it's also, I think, the first uh, Disney animated film to have villains who actually have a redemption arc and who aren't just evil. Um, so, yeah, anyway. That's originality. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I did want to go back really quickly, um, going back to when we said that there were that this was the first Disney movie that revolved around a female protagonist. We forgot Pocahontas. <laughs> oh yeah, not female protag, female relationship. Like the other thing before you said protagonist as well. I just wanted to go back to that. Okay, yeah. If I said that, I was wrong. Maybe I misheard it. I don't know. Um, Well, because we've had a lot of um, Disney princess movies before that. But, like, all the Disney princess films, the main relationship and not even, a like, not even, like, because Nani and Lilo's relationship is really central to the plot, which is why I add it, because I feel like it it almost rivals her and Stitch's relationship. Um, Yeah for like screen time and plot relevancy but i could see how you can argue pocahontas but that i meant more for like woman of color protagonist is what i meant like because even with aladdin aladdin is the protagonist you know you have a princess but he's the protagonist but with pocahontas she's the love interest and the protagonist and a woman of color so oh yeah no i get what you're saying i did say she was one of the first uh person of color uh, main characters and you're right I was wrong <laughs> as long as I'm not crazy I just I don't want to be hearing things you're not crazy <laughs> um okay so our last topic would be um appearance yes so what do we think of the overall look of it does it look like Hawaii does it look um you know um what's the word culturally accurate is the animation really pretty thoughts feelings Colleen, do you want to start off this time? Sure. Um, so, like, I've heard some complaints about people of color that, uh, by people of color, not about them, um, <laughs> that uh, the um, the animation is too similar for all of the Hawaiian peoples, um, and it looks like they all have the same nose and the same, like, body type. But, like, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert. Um, however, I don't know that the white people in it, that there's enough of them to say that that wouldn't be the case with the white characters. I don't know if it was a stylistic choice to really differentiate them from the aliens. Um, I don't know. Um, but that is a complaint. And I don't have an opinion on it because I don't feel like I should. Um, but um, <laughs> that said, the aliens are really cool. Um, and they're very varied. Um, and uh, they've got a lot of, like, Gantu is such a fun character because he's so huge. Um, yeah, and um, I love aliens. He's just—I just love him. Exactly, and then like they had a fun time with the silhouettes of Jumba and Bleakly. Um, and then like um, Stitch's character uh, design is kind of awesome because he uh, can be really scary, but he can be really cute. Um, and so they created it so that it's like the—it's—it follows his character development from being like a like destructor sort of like like tiny demon um into like um her best friend slash dog sort of um and like um, dog. <laughs> yeah and it's 
it's cool. And also the backgrounds are all wonderful and watercolored and kind of reminiscent of Miyazaki in that way. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So that's real cool. Um, like you can particularly see it in the scene where he grabs the tricycle from the bully and he starts <laughs> driving her around. And then she's like, wow, it's really nice to live on a small island with no big cities. And he's just like, he's uh. like no. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that scene. <laughs> um, I will say that this movie is is kind of the perfect combination of you know Renaissance style movies, you know, like with Aladdin, um, you know, Pocahontas, all those, and then kind of a newer look as well. I think it has a really pretty way of making it more modernized, but also still keeping that really traditional, beautiful style of uh, animation that they that they have done. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but <laughs> yeah, I like the color theory behind it. You know, like each Disney movie, there's like a set of colors or a set of you know, they want brighter colors, they want really muted colors. You know, it looks more watercolor. Like if you look at Sleeping Beauty, everything is very hushed tone, so it's almost like you put like almost like a white wash over everything. With this, it's kind of more muted tones, yet they're still very vibrant. It's very pigmented. You know. Yeah, and the main colors are the primary colors of blue and red for you know the two main characters, and I think it was an interesting way to go about that. And if you look at the majority of the aliens, they're more cool toned in that way. We're like, yes, there are some you know, there's a million aliens in like that one scene where you know they're doing the judging, and there's like you know, yeah, God knows how many. Of course, there's going to be variation, but they kind of have a similar like there isn't like a bright purple one just like hey how's it going you know like <laughs> like yes Jumba is purple and Tigli is yellow but they're all muted colors and I think that was kind of interesting that they went for very vivid muted colors which is I feel like an oxymoron but also true <laughs> no I mean color schemes for Disney movies they have a history of doing that very well I mean if you look at each Disney movie like you said with Sleeping Beauty they all have this color palette that you can really, if you know what you're looking at, it's it's really interesting to watch. It's the mm -hmm. same with animation style. You know, Sleeping Beauty looks like it was kind of like stained glass almost. Like it's very, it's flatter. It's a little bit more pointy. And then you have something like Lilo and Stitch that's a little more vibrant, a little more um, swift and uh, more, I'm trying to think of the word for it. It was kind of earthy tones. Yeah. You know? Which and I appreciate. Smooth. Every, all the animation in that movie is so smooth and really collects well and it, it doesn't feel choppy ever it all feels very well edited and very well put together yeah uh so was, everything was very stylized which i appreciate yeah no it's it, overall i think i think colleen was right in saying that this is one of the i don't i'm not gonna say it's the best one but i think it is one of the best the more we've talked about it, the more and more i am that it, it does have a very interesting plot it shows more adult themes in a way that kids can understand and adults mm -hmm. can still enjoy it so I think they, I don't think you're far off <laughs> thank yeah. you and, it, and it's funny <laughs> it's funny looking at it from this lens because there's a difference between favorite movie and technically a very well done movie because mm -hmm. favorite movie might if you look at it in detail like we just did might actually suck but it's so like funny or good or blah 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 like it's like mm, you know so this was definitely a fun one and definitely i think there's more people than not who appreciate this film mm -hmm. and whether it's just oh stitch is cute or like you know oh the story is awesome or you know representation or blah 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 you know like i feel like there's something that everyone can like about the film even if it's just as simple as i'm on lilo's dress because it's cute you know yeah. <laughs> you can even go into the music and the music is the first the opening number is so much fun the and it's amazing oh my god that song makes me so happy and then the theme of her playing elvis it plays through the entire movie like the rest of the the rest of the music is all Elvis. Like there's score, obviously, but like it's like Hawaiian roller coaster ride and then just Elvis. <laughs> That's just which I love. I'm not even the biggest fan of Elvis, but I love it. No, it's a great theming for this like you know quote unquote weird little girl to love Elvis. I love that. It's such a good choice. I don't know why, but I can't put my finger on. It, but something is so yummy about it. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's so good. That's such a weird phrasing, but it is. <laughs> 
you guys both just gave me really weird looks, so I'm just like, <laughs> just dignifying that with my answer. I didn't expect you, I called Flynn Rider a babe last time, I did not expect you, of all people, to say, yes, this music score is yummy, I just didn't expect Yummy is not, like, I'm not saying somebody's, like, a hunk, I'm saying that the but we're not gonna we're not this is gonna end very badly <laughs> flynn rider is a babe except for his dumb goatee you. <laughs> thank you i actually like his goatee no <laughs> he's the only guy that can pull off a goatee like that okay it's so stupid it's so dumb i want to just shave it off every time i look at him i'm like stop trying to be cool you're not cool. the eraser and an eraser. Next level magic to my ears. Facial hair that we hate on Disney characters. <laughs> Can we His beard is so twisted. <laughs> Never say that in a voice ever again. <laughs> That's what she says. It's so uncomfortable. I know. It's comfy. You're sitting there like, oh, I hate this. I hate this so much. <laughs> That's the thing about Lila. Right, well, comfy lines. Before yes. we get down the next show because i feel like this is going to be on the list of shows to talk about now. <laughs> before we get down that road far too much thank you all for listening for to this week's show a big thanks to our special guest this week helene thank you for bringing your thank theatrical you knowledge thank you for having me and letting me talk about film and not being annoyed <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. This is. These are the people we want. <laughs> As I said before, this is a safe place, safe space. <laughs> oh, yes. Don't forget to follow us on our Instagram and for updates and our fun posts. Magic ears. Um, and yes, you have to say dot every time you type it in. It's a requirement. Listen, it's a flawed name. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> And we hope you all have a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious day. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.